Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week is Jamie McDonald. Jamie, hello, how are you? Hello, uh, frustrated after seeing that game. David Forrest here. David, how are you? Hello, I've had a Burger King delivered to my house for the first ever time. The future is here. And also making his full debut on the podcast after a, a cameo appearance last week is Rhys Jenkins. Rhys, thanks for joining us. How are you? Yeah, I'm alright. Bit, bit of a weird game, that, to be honest, but uh, doing okay otherwise. It was a weird game. We'll get straight into it. Rhys, I'll come to you first. Uh, the team was announced about an hour before kickoff, as usual. Ryan Williamson was missing through injury. Brian Graham was missing. So Kieran McKenna made his first start in a while, and Zach Rudden also started. What did you make of the start in 11? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he had loads of options, did he? Um, the McKenna coming in at right back, I think everyone would have seen the kind of the limitations there. He's not going to really be able to, probably not going to be able to bomb on the same way as Williamson will and be like, be that kind of like attacking wide option. So he was always going to sit back a bit more. But it maybe that suits the game if we're playing a stronger team with, with uh, Falkirk. So I wasn't too fussed with that, but I was a bit worried about his kind of attacking potential. Then Rodden, I mean... Graham's done quite well for us at times this season, but he's also been quite frustrating. So Rudden starting, I, I wasn't too fussed with that. I was actually quite excited to see how he'd play because I mean, we've barely been able to watch him since he came in uh, last January. So, I mean, it, uh, overall, it was, um, wasn't was too bad, but we're, we're a bit limited with options off the bench. David, what did you make of the starting 11? And we were also back down to reduce substitutes bench today. What did you make of the team sheet? Yeah, I think we were all a bit. I think we were all trying to figure out what formation we were doing and stuff like that. It was a bit. I, I thought maybe they, I was quite surprised that um, Foster maybe wasn't at uh, right back with Penrose going back in at left back instead of you know kind of wedging somebody into right back. But we're we're kind of going through it again. Where I, like the second I seen it, Graham went off a head knock and he just looked absolutely out of it last week. I was absolutely sure. I thought there was some sort of protocol where you weren't allowed to play if you had a head knock after like for like a, a game or two or something. So I didn't expect him to play. Uh, I was excited to see Rudden play, and to be honest, I thought he actually did all right. We'll come to that later, but it was what it was. If you know what I mean, like you know we we had limited options available. I mean, like the fact that we had a gospel trolley on the the bench, um, a player who I think even most ardent first team Fizzle fan probably struggled to know anything about kind of summed up our situation but I was happy that they kind of put him on the bench just purely because if you've got these players in your own subs you might as well put them out but yeah I mean overall it was what it was I wasn't raging or anything like that and I wasn't I think maybe we were just confused about how it was going to work out and but it was what we had available. Jamie do you have any thoughts on the starting 11 and, and substitutes today? Yeah, the starting eleven. I would. I wanted to start Lions. I know I bang on about this basically every single week, but I want to play him. Connor Murray. I don't think was at it today at all. Thought he had a terrible game to be honest. But we may as well have started Lions. It doesn't help that Williamson now seems to be injured, and that's just perfect. A dot going off as well. That's really worrying. I hope that his injury isn't serious. I'm hoping it's only precautionary. To be fair, when Gordon came on, I thought he did quite well. He seems to. I'm actually kind of glad he didn't start because I always feel he does better when he comes off the bench. Even though he came off quite early, I still think he does better when he comes on. But you know, today's game proves that we need to get a number ten in, in January. I mean, we we lack it. We clearly lack it. I don't remember a single pop shot or a single long shot from us today. I think Conor Murray maybe had like one, base, basically on the edge of the box. But you know, we don't have someone in that team who's willing to take have a pop shot, willing to test to keep it from range and. 
we really need to go in for someone like that, which is why I keep wanting us to go in for Reese Cole because he's still a free agent. I think the team sheet for me today sort of summed up McCall's approach to it so far this season. I think he's always erred on the side of caution. I think we saw that with McKenna at right back and Foster at left back with Penrice continuing at left midfield. I don't know if he doesn't trust the players, but it's definitely safety first. And he could argue it's working. We got another clean sheet today when we were under a lot of pressure. But it's definitely coming at the expense of our attack because I know Jamie's getting annoyed that Lyons isn't getting a chance. And the Dockery injury today, it did. We improved when Dockery went off because we had another attacking minded player in midfield. Gordon obviously came on, and it's not like for like Gordon. You did see him making the runs into the box that Dockery perhaps couldn't. And I think when Dockery went off and Dockery has had a good season, that is when we did start to improve in the game. Reese, I'll come back to you. What did you make of the, the first half performance today? So I thought that the first half of it, um, or maybe a bit more than that, even we were. We're pretty poor and we were kind of just sitting back and sort of letting them letting them do it. But I thought we did improve and that kind of came, as you said, with Docky coming off, which is a bit of a weird one because we'd all agree he's been pretty good for us. But I just wonder if it's that different option. Like today we had, we lost in the starting lineup, we lost a threat going forward with Williamson and then we basically, we slot in a, basically a natural centre-back or right-back. That means you get one less attacking threat. And I think maybe take with Docky coming off and Gordon coming on, you actually see... You actually see that kind of added threat from what's well, from the middle rather than out wide this time, but it maybe it kind of made up for the the lack of uh, Williamson going forward as well. Rudden, when he did, when he was getting chances, he did okay. Uh, but is that what we're saying about a number ten? I think we're really lacking it. Our, basically our number ten right now is Murray, which is not. I don't. I don't think he would even say that's really what his natural position is. Even if he's starting in like a four four two up front, he's kind of he's sort of dropping into those areas. And um, I'm not sure that's really, that's not a league winner number 10, but I think someone that's able to thread a pass, someone that's able to take a shot, someone a bit like Reese Cole, maybe maybe could be useful for us in that position. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of the first half, it wasn't too good, and we kind of improved as it went on, my, my takeaway from it. Jamie, Reese mentioned Connor Murray there playing in the sort of number 10 position. Jason McKay's got in touch this week and asked, is Connor Murray good are we just using him wrong is he better used out wide do you see him continuing to play week in week out do you think it's time he get dropped or move position what are your views on Murray I think there is a player in there because he's shown flashes of it but he's on a terrible run right now I think the last couple of games especially the last two or three games I think he's been really really poor and I think starting from the fourth game he wasn't great he wasn't good last week and well, he was really off it today. I think it's time for him to get dropped. And uh, you know, I'll repeat my weekly statement that Lions should get started instead. I think it's just time to give Lions more of a chance. We always see him as cameos. Today we saw him as a cameo once again out of possession. I honestly mean it. I don't think we can fairly judge Lions because he's only playing cameos when he is in possession and when he's getting more game time, he comes on like against Morton. And today he comes on out of possession. He's shoved up front. It's not. It's not clearly not where he plays and. You could see him drifting out wide when he was playing up front and then balls go in the box and there's no one in there. So I definitely think it is time for Conor Murray to get dropped. But we don't we don't have many options on the bench. Like we didn't have a senior striker on today when Zach Rodden went off. We didn't have you know, we only had Gospel who's a, he's a youth player. So I mean it, it that really doesn't help. We're really lacking depth in the squad. So January's gonna be crucial for us. I'm going to say again, I think once again, McCall got the subs wrong. This season, it's been a couple of times we've brought this up, that he just, I think he keeps making the wrong subs. Like, I don't know how Conor Murray managed to stay on for the 90 minutes today. David, would you like to see McCall take the handbrake off a bit 
we saw today, we've mentioned when Gordon came on, we did look a bit better in attack. We've got Clyde at home next week, and then I think we've got a tricky away game at Airdrie and a home game at Cove, but we'd like to see him take the hand break off a wee bit. Maybe move Penrice back to left back to three two out and out wingers out in the pitch. Where do you see McCall's tactics going in the next couple of weeks? It's a bit difficult in the sense that what we want to happen and what McCall will do are two very, very disparate things in the sense that like I th- I would certainly agree. I would certainly say having Penrice back, you know, put him back in the defence and have two out and out wingers would definitely be the way. I think with this league, it is very much a, a, a league of fine margins, so to speak in the sense that sort of that one or two goals in a game could be the difference in terms of you winning that. It's not necessarily a case of, you know, you need to be on your game all the time. You can kind of coach through a game, but if you take your chance and you get it, you might as well. And I think having that sort of extra attacking power, it would definitely help. And I think just put, you know, putting the pressure on people and sort of a certain or dominance, so to speak, in terms of the, you know, going forward and things like that would really, really help us in terms of if we play as a more attacking side and just absolutely just go for them and go for the throat, I, I think that we, we will. Because, again, last week we talked about how teams just park the bus in this league and we're not able to break them down. You know, I think you really need to take them out of their comfort zone. You nearly, really need to make them panic. To be honest, I thought we actually looked quite well uh, going forward today. We're desperately unlucky to hit the woodwork twice and then have our striker sent off. And I think we look very well. I think there is the opportunity there where we can get forward and we, we, we can score. It's just the current formation that we're playing at the moment just isn't unlocking that. And I think definitely I'd like to see us a bit more forward thinking and just I think we can comfortably rely on our defence. I don't I, for throughout the games I don't think anybody's ever really said that our defence has been poor in games. We know there's been moments and things like that, but there's not really been many games where we've got the defence is shocking us. And I think they can kind of hold their, up their end of the bargain. And I think it, we need to allow the front players to go forward a bit and not rely so much on making sure that we don't concede goals. Because I think, I think we're actually OK in terms of conceding goals at the moment. We don't concede that many. The fact that we've just got a, a, you know, a clean sheet against Falkirk says that. Yeah, so I would like to see us be a bit more attacking. Just to play devil's advocate for a minute, I agree with most of what you said, but I think if Ian McCall was here, he'd maybe say, well, the team selections, Penrise, two left-backs down the left, has really solidified that side. We've got two setters on midfield, which is providing the protection, Sun Yang, and that is why we've got such a good defensive record, because we do have a lot of defensive personnel. But and on the, what you said there, David, I do agree with you. We are creating a lot of chances in games, and you saw today, arguably maybe our best chance felt with James Penrise in the second half. And if that maybe fell to an attacker, it would be a different story. We've had chances in previous games. I think Ross Dockett went a couple of weeks in a row where he missed sitters. And if they were maybe falling to Shea Gordon making a late run into the box, it might have been a different story. So it's maybe it's maybe even not tweaking the system. It's getting more attacking personnel. And I think it was Jamie who mentioned in the show last week, Montrose who went above us, their defence isn't very good, but they have outscored us almost every week. I think they've got almost double the amount of goals we've scored and that's why they're above us. So if we can start scoring goals and even if we do maybe start leaking one or two, I think attacking is probably the way to go for the rest of the season. But obviously we're not in charge and there's circumstances, injuries that will dictate what Ian McCall does. One change Ian McCall did make today though was bringing Zach Rudden into the side, obviously involved in the key incident in the match today, which I think we'll get on to. But Reese, what did you make of Rudden's performance for the first hour? 
Uh, to be honest, I quite I quite liked it. I thought he was a. There were times he was a little bit quiet, but I don't think that's really his fault. I think uh, a lot of it was just that the way the game was going, like we weren't able to, we weren't kind of keeping pressure up in their half a lot of the time. It was more just you would get kind of would get glimpses of it. So I thought there was the the big chance that we'll all remember kind of late in the first half where he he kind of he kind of went past the the centre half and and then um, hit the post. That I thought that was really good kind of that was really good forward play. Um, and then obviously we all we all know what happens when he went off and that was he's obviously he's been done something really immature, stupid and kind of dissentful, got sent off. But before that, he he did well, he did well at times. I think I'd like to see more of him. I mean, I feel like I don't really know what type of player he is yet. I mean, I can tell in from the glimpses we get that he's he's physical, he's quite big, he's clearly I, th- I think he's a penalty box striker in the way that he like see when when he was getting into the box, I thought he always looked dangerous, but I don't know if he does. Does loads outside of that. Um, I don't know what you think about that. If if you agree, but I, w- I wasn't seeing I wasn't seeing too much kind of dropping in and stuff. It was more he was trying to play on the shoulder and, and get chances for himself, which is which you want from your striker, don't you? I agree with you. This I think he does. He does look really lively outside the box. I don't know if he's got great build up play, but when he is in the box, he really comes alive. I remember him when he was at Falkirk when he played against us. He never gave our back four a moment's peace, and I think. That is useful, but maybe when he's got the ball outside the box, not so useful. But yeah, definitely, he came alive when he beat that defender and hit the post. He did look lively, and it's something different, because I don't think we've really seen Graham take on too many men this season. So to have that variety in attacking areas, obviously we won't have it for the next couple of weeks after what happened. But we'll move on, obviously. I think the big talking point is Rudden's red card. I've got some opinions on it, but I'll, I'll ask you first before I come back to me. Jamie, what did you make of the red card today? Uh, obviously, I was very surprised to see the red come out. Usually, it's a yellow for dissent. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to know, love to know what Zach Rudden actually said. But I mean, that just completely changed the game for us. I mean, we had good attacking intent, but before that, I mean, Rudden was holding the ball up he, well, and he was, you know, he was getting involved in moves, and we were actually going forward pretty well. But after Rudden got sent off, I just, you know, completely messed up our flow. It screwed the game for us because you could just see crosses were going in the box, and no one was there. When Murray was up front, he kept drifting out wide. Same with Lions, they kept kind of drifting into their natural position on the wing. And, you know, neither of them are as tall as Rudden. They don't obviously have as good finishing as Rudden. So it just, you could tell, it just completely ruined our flow when Rudden got sent off. And it's a really strange one getting sent off with the sense. So I'd love to, I, either he said something really bad or the referee's been really touchy about it. I don't know. But, I mean, even if we do appeal it, I highly doubt it's going to get uh, reversed because no one knows what he said apart from the ref. David? I mean, it's incredibly rare that you see someone get a straight red for dissent. He must have said something really heinous, or the or the referee is just, you know, a bit hungover after Christmas Day and was just not having it and was just getting upset off. I, I I don't remember seeing a player get a straight red for dissent in that manner before. Um, I'm sure there is examples, but it, it's something incredibly rare. I did like Richard Foster shouting over to say that he had been sent off for fucking foul and abusive language, which I found to be quite funny. It's very, I, I think everyone was like, immediately was like, why has he been sent off? And I think the problem is, is because you can't hear, you're, you're just kind of confused. But yeah, it must have been something real, real bad to merit it. I think that I think it's fair to say that's Falkirk's receipt for their um, mad red card at the start of the season with um, their goalkeeper when he put his hand in the guy the back of the guy's head um, and gets sent off and everyone was you know, thinking it was it was wild that that had happened. It's just, just our luck that it happened to us against them. 
But yeah, I thought it was a real shame that he gets sent off and and he will get suspended after spending so long at the team to then get suspended in your first full start uh, for three games is is quite wild. But yeah, uh, I shudder to think what he said if he got a straight red straight away. I tweeted when it happened that none of us know if he deserved it because we don't know what he said. And I, I stand by that. People were arguing, oh, he's an idiot. Oh, we don't, like, what's he done? He's lost his mind. He's let his team down. And then there were other people tweeting, oh, it's a disgraceful refereeing decision. We honestly don't know. It's not like a tackle. It's not like a denial of a goal scoring opportunity. We have no idea. And people were saying, oh, it's only dissent. You can, you can only get booked for dissent. That's not true either. You can get booked for dissent. But in the laws of the game, foul and abusive language is also a red card. So it's at the referee's discretion. And until we know what he said, if he's turned around and just went, oh, fuck off, ref, obviously that is going to be a harsh red card. We don't know if maybe the empty stadium and how quiet it is, it sounds worse, and that's why the referee's picked up on it. But we don't know what he said. He might have said something really personal. He might have said something that in any other walk of life would be a sackable offence. We don't know. And until we know, which we probably won't in this episode, will come out on Tuesday, I think. We might know by then, but we might not. We can't really judge him. Obviously, it's a stupid thing to do to give the referee a decision to make. But until we know exactly what's said, I don't think we can really judge the referee or the player. People might disagree, but I I, I don't see how you can have an opinion unless you know what was said. So, Reese, how did you think we reacted to the red card? We obviously hung on. We were growing into the game just before the red card, but we were hanging on with Falkirk having quite a few set pieces towards the end. Do you think we dealt with it going down to 10 men well? It could have been a lot worse. Obviously, that's a little bit... I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm just working back from the result that we didn't concede again. But I thought that in the most part, we kept a similar shape that we were when we were defending the whole game, obviously with the one less the one less kind of man in, up, up front. They had they did have chances, obviously, but I thought we kind of... We had a few nice breaks because a lot of the game we were relying on quick counter-attacks, relying on people kind of finding the, finding the right guys and sort of making good decisions to get like up the pitch like you see counter-attacks break down all the time like a bad touch or like a, a stray pass we were do, relying on the same sort of the counters once we were down to 10 but obviously we brought lines on and I thought for considering um, he was out of position as we've already said he did okay Jamie said he, he drifts out and he wants to be out wide I don't think he wants to be up front but I don't think I don't think we can complain too much with the outcome considering what happened. Like you go down you go down to ten men to arguably the best team in the league with what half an hour to go and we don't concede. I think you've got to come away from that saying we kinda of got away with it. I was as soon as it happened, I just went, Right, that's the game gone and I felt quite withdrawn from it the rest of the game. I was sort of watching felt like almost from a distance, like just waiting for the goal to happen. But it didn't and we got we got the point and they haven't extended the lead ahead of us, so I'm not complaining too much. My initial reaction to it was the kind of typical biased like fan reaction where I go, oh my God, how's he been sent off for dissent? That's that's ridiculous. Then I think about it for a second and I go, right, as you said, we don't know what he said. Quite a high chance there that he's going to say something disgusting to the ref and he deserves it, to be honest. So now I think I'm coming away from it thinking he's probably said something out of line and just deserves it because I don't think... I don't really think a ref's gonna want to make that kind of crazy decision. It reflects badly on him if it's not for if it's not for a good reason. So we can't complain too much. We we didn't concede and we've got the point. Yeah, I would definitely say like in terms of if you're a referee and it's down on you know Falkirk versus Fissel in a game that will between who two teams that will probably be the title contenders, where you know it could have a pivotal effect in the championship. I know it's only December, but it's a shortened season. 
if you have that sort of big, this is this is the biggest game in League One so far, and would if either team had won, would probably have been a swinging point for them to win the championship. Do you really honestly want to be sending people off for sort of light offences? Yeah, I think that you've got to take that into account. This wasn't just some sort of dead rubber six v seventh game. Like it was a big game, and that's a big decision to make. Jamie, we always look for the positives in this podcast. Do you want to talk about some of the positive performances you saw individually from the team today? Uh, yeah, obviously, there's still some positives to take from the game, even though it's disappointing we didn't win. I mean, uh, still a clean sheet, getting another clean sheet. The defence has got a good record this season and not conceding. Same with Kieran Wright. I know he maybe had a few dodgy moments today. He didn't deal with the conditions as well. But, I mean, he still he didn't concede, so that's the main thing. Darren Brownlee and Senna once again looking great. I think especially Brownlee today. Brownlee was my man of the match, if I'm being honest. He, he was brilliant today. He got in a lot of good tackles, just used his body well, barged a couple of players off the ball. I mean, he's a real asset to us. Senna once again, growing into every game, looking like a good player, really good young prospect. Brownlee got his contract extended. Stuart Vanigan spring passes about. He was uh, had another good game, got a few good tackles in. Uh, until he got sent off, Zach Rodden did look promising. I thought he looked good until he got sent off. Good hold-up play, good movement. Stupid getting sent off, obviously. But he did look good. He did look good before he went off. And I was impressed with Shea Gordon coming off the bench. He definitely gave us something else. I thought he had a good game. And yeah, I thought Richard Foster was pretty good defensively as well. I wouldn't say he had his best game, but he definitely wasn't poor. So there's definitely some positive to take from today. And also, Falkirk don't go any further ahead of us. I mean, a draw wasn't what we wanted, but it was a result that wasn't a disaster because it just kept Falkirk in touching distance to only six points, and we still have to play them at Far Hill. And, you know, they could, they've could they slipped up against Airdrie. You never know, they could slip up again against Airdrie again or another team. So, you know, it's still, it's the, the league's still within touching distance. It's, a, it's going to be a tough task, but it's still it's still possible. If we'd lost today, I think the title would have been, wouldn't have been completely over, but it would have been all but over. So, I mean... Get myself in touch and distance. So that's that's it's not all negatives today by any means. I've been saying for a few weeks now, I think we can always say we're title contenders if the league's within our hands. It slipped out of our hands last week before Falkirk's defeat, and it's slipped out of our hands this week now. We're six points behind with only one more game against Falkirk, so we are relying on them slipping up. Reese, where do you see our title chances? Uh to be honest, I'm not I'm not super confident. I think I'm I'm I'd love I'd love us to kind of turn it around and have a great great second half of the season I think we're, we've got to make sure that we come second that's got to be like the absolute like, that's got to be the bare minimum to be honest lower than seconds and we're like with our budget and our playing squad we've, we're not doing well enough I think we've got to we've got to learn find a way to keep this solidity but, but score more goals and we have been creating chances so there are positives to take but it, is, it gets a bit disheartening when you see when you see you missing chances. We see the like the Rudden one, the Penrace one, and there was like uh, the Gordon one as well. We had we hit the bar. So I mean the Woods worked twice. It's pretty unfortunate, isn't it? Against the against the, one of the strongest teams in the league. I think I'd like to see. I'd like to once he's back from the suspension. I think I'd like to see a bit more Rudden because he gives us a bit more goal threat. And maybe we could try. Maybe we could try him and Graham up front together. And I think that would maybe propel us a bit. A bit. Bit closer to Falkirk, but as it stands, I don't see us. I don't see us finishing above them, to be honest. Not to be negative. <laughs> I think I came round everyone last week and asked for a one-word answer. If you think you're, if if you think we're still in the tail race, I'll come back round you all again and I'll ask for a percentage. The the percentage of chance you think we've got winning the title. So David, I'll come to you first. What percentage of chance do you think we've got winning the title? 
Um, to be honest, I mean this league is um, it's n- I I don't see Falkirk going on some incredible invincibles run, you know, where they just win every game from now until the end of the season. And they will drop points because this is a league where teams drop points and they've went on a big run. But I mean, Robbie Copeland said last week it wasn't like they were some incredible Galacticos team. They they kind of uh, rode their luck a little bit and got wins. I still think there's what sixty percent chance to win the league. Wow, that's high. Jamie? Uh, I'll say 33 and a third. So we've got a one-third chance of winning the league because Falkirk are two games ahead of us and we've only got to play them once. So we're relying on them slipping up and us not slipping up. So I'll, I'll give it that. I'll give us a 33% and a third. Reese, Not to be the negative one, but just over a third of the way into the season, six points off, only one game to play against them. I can't see it being any more than 20. That's... Me, me trying to be optimistic. I don't, I don't, I don't think we're. But um, I'd, I'd say about twenty. To be honest, I don't, I, I'm not too confident. I'm with you, Reece. I would say if it was a straight two horse shootout between us and Falkirk, I'd be saying about twenty percent because they do have the upper hand. But I think because there are other teams involved now, we could slip. I think as low as fifth today, once the later kickoffs conclude. So I would say maybe a fifteen percent chance of winning the league. I think it's it's well within Falkirk's hands, and I think. Maybe it wouldn't suit them because of the red card, but if you offered Falkirk a point today at midday, I think they would have bitten your hand off for it. We'll look ahead to next week now. We're playing Clyde at home. It's a rerun of the the opening fixture, or a reverse of the opening fixture, where we lost at Broadwood 1-0. Jamie, where do you want to see the improvements next week to ensure that we pick up three points at Firhill? Uh, I want to see changes to the team. Like I've mentioned, I want to see Lions coming in. Hopefully Brian Graham's back for next week. I know he was 50-50. And to be honest, as much as Gordon did play well today, if Doc is out next week, I'd like to see Spittle playing in a number 10 role. If he's back, McCall did say that Spittle might be back for next week or he should be back in the squad. So if he's fit enough to start, then I'd like to see Spittle play him. But we need to just go for it next week. I don't want to see any you know, any caution. We're at home to Clyde. We really need to go for games like that. that those are the games we cannot be tentative and nervous. And I know McCall seems to set up a bit. We're not going to concede. But when he was at air, I feel that his style was more, we'll score more than you. And I feel that's the style we really should be going for because this we're not going to concede style. Clearly, it hasn't worked for us. We're sitting third in the league in December. You know, 2020 is over for us game-wise, so we need to just go for the game. And I want I want to see us score some goals. I take a one-nil win, but I don't. I'd like to see us score some goals. Get a three-nil win for once. Just get a comfortable. Man, I just want us to win. Mainly, just want us to win, but I want us to score some goals. Reese, do you want to come in on that? We'd said we want to we want to score more goals because not scoring into games, to be honest, in my opinion, is kind of unacceptable. I'll caveat this by saying I don't think this is what's going to happen. This is what I want to happen. And um, I want to see Penrice dropping back to left back because I'm not going to lie, Foster has been, he's, he's quite he's quite solid defensively, but he frustrates the life out of me with a lot of his, his passing forward. And I'll give him a bit of a pass today on the fact that it was windy. But in the first three minutes, I think I counted, or maybe it was five minutes, but I counted a couple of times where he was hitting hopeful balls forward and they were just going out of play or they were just completely like, missing our players. So I'd like to see Penrice dropping in. And then, same with Jamie, I'm absolutely dying to see Blair Lyons play 90 minutes of football in his natural position. So I want to, I'll, I'll put in Blair Lyons for uh, left midfield. And then I think as much as Cardinal's frustrating, we've got to stick with him because I don't know what other, other options are. Um, maybe if Spittle was available, he could do a job there. Um, so I'll keep Cardinal there. And then let's hope that Doherty's available and then we'll have them too. And then I'd like to see Shea Gordon where Murray's been playing. So basically the kind of hybrid between the second striker and the number 10 role. I'd like to see him there because he just adds so much more. He's not the best in build-up, but he's better than Murray. 
because uh, I think Murray offers barely anything in build up. Uh, so I'd like to see him attacking attacking the space behind uh, behind Graham. I bet like the the goal we scored um, was it was it Forfer or uh, I think so. But yeah, I, that's the team I'd like to see. So right, uh, Brownlee and Yang, Penrice, and then hopefully Williamson. But if not, I guess um, Foster can slot in there at right back. Then um, the kind of pivot of uh, Bannigan, Doherty with um, Lyons and Cardle at wide and Gordon and Graham up front, assuming he's back. David? I mean, Clyde is very much a red line for me in the sense that because of obviously everything that comes with the club at the moment, I don't tolerate any sort of uh, <laughs> loss to them. I, don't, I, like, I, can, I can tolerate losing to other teams because we are inherently quite shy a lot of the time. I do not tolerate losses to Clyde. Um we should, they, they are also quite pish. And I know that's big coming from us, but they are really quite bad at the moment. I, f- I hope the Broadwood result was a blip. It was just the first game of the season. We went in uh, a bit, we had a bit of a swagger about this, going, oh, we'll squish this, and then found out we won't. I, I feel we should be comfortably beating Clyde, and not just because I don't like Clyde. Um, we sh- really should. If we cannot comfortably beat them, then questions need to be asked. David, you said we had a 60% chance of the league. I think we've proven in a lot of games we questions need to be asked. We couldn't comfortably beat Clyde first time round. We couldn't beat Peterhead at home. We couldn't beat Dumbarton at home. Where does the sort of confidence come from? I think for me it comes from the fact that there, this is an inherently topsy-turvy league in the sense that you will just get flat freak results out of nowhere. I don't think Falkirk are going to record 17 wins between now and the end of the season. I don't think we're going to record 17 wins between now and the end of the season. But I feel that again, like if we if we beat them at Farhill, which I feel is based on this result and the one before, I feel it's an a doable task. To be honest, I think well, we can we can beat them. Um, but like I think as well in terms of just at that point, it's only three points that we need against them. If they drop a result, we get uh, get level. I think. If that happens, where they do drop points and we get level with them, I think that will be a boon to us, whereby we'll see that we're actually back in it and we may be able to pull something out. I think as well, now that we're going into January, obviously, you know, we're able to bring people in and things like that. We might see some bolstering of the squad, which I feel might help, especially because of our injury crises. And again, it's not just going to be a procession for Falkirk. And I think even Falkirk fans would admit that it's not going to be the absolute cakewalk. I know there is other teams at like Montrose and Airdrie and Cove and stuff like that kind of floating about, but I think like Cove has fallen away. Airdrie haven't kind of lived up to the sort of promise that they showed at the start of the season. Uh, Montrose, I don't see Montrose lasting a full season, even if it is, you know, a curtailed one. I don't see them lasting the full season. It is ultimately going to come down to us and Falkirk. And again, I think Falkirk are maybe ridden their luck at times, and I just don't see them riding their luck for 27 games. And I can and the fact that we're still somewhat in touch with them after the sort of results we have kind of gives me confidence that maybe we can pull something out. Obviously, being confident as a physical fan is wildly misguided, but I, I, I don't think it's completely um, out the, the race. I think as well, one of the key things is obviously you mentioned that Falkirk have to slip for us to win the title. So really it's in Falkirk's hands and I think that sort of pressure this, this early on, having to go, 17 games whereby you need to just keep winning over and over again I think that might get to them eventually where if there is one sort of bad result or stuff like that you know I mean they've not won in two now because they lost to Airdrie 
and then drew with us. And Falkirk will slip at some point. I, I don't I don't think that's an unreasonable statement to say that they will slip. And I think that once they do that, any sort of knock to their confidence is something that we can kind of jump on. And again, if we can get level with them in points at some point, I think the momentum will be with us and we can win it. I wish I should have confidence, David. We've, we, I know we've not won in two either, and we've not scored in two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I know hey. Jamie wanted to come in. On you go, Jamie. Yeah, I know I said 33%. That is just me, you know, trying to be hopeful. If I'm being realistic, I don't think we're going to win the league. I think if we'd won today, I would have been more confident in saying we had a good chance because we'd have been free behind Falkirk. Uh, I agree with David. I don't think Montrose are going to last the whole season in second. I think, they, I think they've given themselves a good shot of getting top four because Cove definitely have fallen away. Uh, I, I think it's going to end up being Falkirk first, us second, Airdrie third probably, and then Montrose or Cove in fourth, if I'm being honest, with the top four. Uh, but we need to get second. We need to get second, honestly. Like, if we don't get second, if we finish in third, that is so, so poor. So poor, given how much money we've had compared to other teams in this league. We've had a big budget. we just come down from the championship. We were in the premiership a couple of seasons ago. We can't be finishing be- below anyone else other than Falkirk. We really should be finishing above Falkirk, but that's it's just we need to finish second and get promoted for the playoffs. I think not getting promoted is an unacceptable season, but if we go up through the playoffs and come second, I think I agree with your top four prediction there, Jamie. I think Falkirk will win the league, and I think we will come second, but it's probably looking like it'll be quite a distant second, in my opinion. I think I'm going to ask you all one last question. We're playing Clyde next week, which is also next month, and by then the transfer window will be open. Brian Graham, maybe a doubt at the moment. Zach Rudden definitely out, unless we appeal that. Nobody really knows what's going on with Salim. So we could be without a striker again next week. Is that an area you'd like to see us target in the January window? Do you want to see us bring in a striker for the Clyde game, perhaps? David, I'll come to you on that one. It definitely will need some sort of attacking-minded player, either a 10 or a striker. Um, if you said to me, who who would you have, a 10 or a striker, I'd probably take a 10 over a striker. But definitely, I feel we need some sort of forward presence, so to speak, um, in that sense. So, yeah, definitely something we should be targeting. Jamie? Uh, yeah, I definitely think we need a striker. If McCall, he might have something lined up, I don't know. I doubt it, to be honest. We'll get someone in on the first, but... Or the second, because we signed Blair Spittle and he played later that night. But if we can get someone in before the game, that'd be great. But we definitely need a striker on a number 10. That's our two January priorities. I said in a couple of episodes ago I'd get a centre-half in, but I've decided against that now. But for cover, we don't need it. The defence has been good, but we need a number 10 and we need a striker. But I think we 100% need both of them. Absolute January priorities. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it has to be either or. I think we could probably do it both. It's, it, I mean, I don't really know how to judge the, our striker situation. We feel like we've had one striker all season, then, oh, we lose him, and we've got another one coming in with Rudd, and we lose him again. So it's like we've barely had more than one striker all year. And I don't know if we've just that's just bad luck with injuries, and we actually maybe don't need one quite as much as it feels like. But the way it's going with injuries, I think we could really do with getting one in and uh, shoring that up. I don't really know what the situation is with Goudry, uh, so... I'm not. I hadn't kept up on it. If it's like a, is it a really bad injury or something? Um, if if it is, um, and if he's not fancying him, McCall, maybe we, is there a way to cut that short and we could maybe try to get someone else in with those wages? Because I'm not. I don't know if we have the the budget to just go and bolster the squad without making any uh, kind of concessions. As Salim got out injured with his nose. That's what it, I don't know if that's what it still is. But that was it originally. He broke his nose at the Clyde game in the opening game of the season, and then Neil Scally said he'd be back for the East Fife game, which was about what, a month and a half, two months ago. He said he'd be back for that game. 
and he never was and he's just never he's not even been mentioned since so I don't know if he's had some other injury if it's, surely it's not still his nose I don't know how it could be his nose but three months later yeah that makes me kind of think he's maybe a bit out of the picture and maybe we'll be heading back but I'm not I'm not in the know on that so I won't speculate too much but I think yeah I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him move back and we get someone else in I don't know who that'd be right enough but someone someone that can really contribute because we have struggled a bit up there to end today's podcast, we have our fifth instalment in our 12 Days of Archie series, which is looking back on an Alan Archibald moment every day. Hello and welcome to day five of 12 Days of Archie, where today we're going to look back on a 2-0 home win against Hearts from 2017. Apart from our famous 4-2 win at Tynecastle when we secured survival in 2014, since we returned to the Premiership, we had a poor record against Hearts, as Kieran Ashton and David Forrest explain. Hi, because we always we always typically like I remember the season they came in, they came in, uh, they came down for the. They, aye, they come down for the championship. We get um, no, they come back up for the championship. Sorry, they they fucking horsed us that season. I'm sure. Um, so I think the first game we played them was at Tynecastle. We get pumped three 0 and then the second game we get fucking pumped four 0 and Ryan Stevenson and go for a penalty for a penalty. We drew one each with them at Tynecastle that Castle. season. We had been beaten in August by them. Uh, aye, uh, last, I think it was our last minute. Uh, it wasn't our last minute goal, but I think. Fucking, I think it was Tony Watt scored. I, I remember um, I started I started vlogging uh, with my pals and like there's a, a bit, like, the Hearts game was like one of the first vlogs. I mean we only did two, so uh, and I remember just talking about it in the car and just seeming so deflated. I was like Tony Watt scored the last minute goal. <laughs> Today we bring you another footy vlog. Today is Hearts at home. Come on, Fisso! Second half just about underway. Yeah, that's underway. Second half's just about underway. Hearts are currently leading 1 0. We got a goal in the middle of the first half and then we've had a good few chances. Um, but we haven't just put them to bed. Hearts just got the corner. Defence was nowhere to be seen, and they capitalised with the header. But I'm looking confident. Hopefully we can get another goal. I don't know though, because Hearts are a strong team. But come on, Fissel. Got the goal. But ten minutes ago, when corner. So I don't know who headed it in. Headed it in. It was people think it was over the line. I thought it was over the line as well. But the referee was negating it. But Lindsay headed it in. It's 1-1. Come on. And we've been pretty... We've been all right. Just need to get this goal because it'd be a good result to take away. Good three points to take away. To, to, take, to, to get against Hearts. Come on, Fissle. So, um, we lost the we goal. Lost in the last, like, five minutes of the game. And... Callum, it was the Callum Patterson, it was Tony Watt, uh, fired it, took a shot and it just went right in. Boo! 
right into the, uh, right in, I think it was the side then, but I think it was the roof of the bar. I don't know, the roof of the net, whatever it was, but... Just explain why you were down there. Uh, there was not nice people, hence Celtic uh, fans. There was a bus for Larbosh. And driving behind us, I had to let them know. Anyway, um, right, it was pretty... Enjoyed being a Jags fan, man. Just getting stabbed in the gut in the last freaking minute. Despite this poor record, the fans were still confident going into the game as the team were beginning to mount a top six challenge. Uh, I remember this is this is we were on this. I think we were on really good form at this point in the top six. I think we were keeping quite a lot of clean sheets at this point, uh, getting results. Um, and as I said, we never really we never uh, destroyed anyone. Now we never like got a massive scoring game in the top six, but we were just good at getting those results you needed. I mean, have we mentioned this recently about like the top six season about? There wasn't too many impressive displays, if you know what I mean, in terms of like mm-hmm. we, we didn't absolutely dominate games very often in that season. And that game, we, we really uh, took it to them. And yeah, it was probably one of the more um, convincing performances because when we were putting this together, uh, when we were choosing what matches to pick and stuff like that, um, <laughs> we went through the Wikipedia going through all the results. And going, Jesus, is, is this how we get top six? And just being like, there's nothing here. Like, there's there's no <laughs> decent performances. And um, we, we had to sit and rack our brains. But like, it's it's quite marvellous. Because like, when speaking to Matt and Mark about this, it's marvellous that like we had a terrible start to the season. We always had a terrible start to the season, to be honest, since I've started going to Fissile. Even... You know, uh, like throughout the entire Premiership, every year it was a running thing of we were terrible to Christmas. I think apart from the first season up, we started quite well in our first season up, but apart from that. Yeah. We, we beat Ross County 4-0 on the opening day in the second season, but then we just kind of faded away after that. Yeah, um, but like, we really didn't do uh, do well here. But it was just one of those things where everyone else didn't really do well either. And it was, you know, it was miraculous that we were sort of still in contention and then we went on that run from October um through to sort of March. Yeah, March, April time when you know just before the split or whatever. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was a really, really a good uh, a good run there. But it's just quite wild to think that if you look at the performances, this is very much a, a standout one purely because we really took it to them and we were the dominant team, which is not something you can see too often about us in that season despite getting top six yeah there's only a few games i can remember in that season that we really you know we were the team that was deserved the result i remember that 2-0 went up at dundee away when adi aziz scored and uh, chris dolan scored but, you know we really deserved that when we were quality that day and, yeah um, i remember there, that there, I there wasn't that. too many games where we were all over the other team but as i said this that season the defense the defense is probably one the main if not the main reason we got top six Here's Jamie McDonald discussing his favourite players from our top six season. The defence and the, the midfield as well. I mean, Abdul Osman was brilliant that season. That was that was like prime Abdul Osman, I think, that season. And um, we had Liam Lindsay at the back. And, you know, we had, we had a good defence that season. I think that was probably Callum Booth's best season for us as well. And, you know, we had Christy Elliott. We, had, we just had a good squad that season. I enjoyed what, that season. I, it was enjoyable watching because I actually think, actually, we went into every game. And I think, especially the second half of the season, we went into, like, nearly every game thinking we can get a result here but it doesn't often happen so 
we were just we were good at getting those one nils, those two nils, those three ones. We were just good at getting those kind of games. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And yeah, when we went on that run, it was very much that sort of defensive solidity was the thing that, that really held us for. I mean, Liam Lindsay, I mean, he, you know, obviously there, there's a lot that's been said about Liam Lindsay. I mean, do you want to talk about Liam Lindsay for a second? Yeah, yeah, I'll talk about him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Liam Lindsay's a player who I hate that I just, he's just, you know, just kind of right now rotting away in the Stoke reserve team. You know, he's not even made a league appearance this season. It's just, I, I, don't, I don't like seeing that. And then, I've got kind of the fear he's going to end up just coming back here and, you know, playing for like, I don't know, like Motherwell or something like that. It's not not that that's a bad level to be playing for. Obviously, Motherwell are a big team in Scotland. It's just that I, I really wanted them to achieve better things down south than what's ended up happening to them, just kind of rotting away in the, the reserve team of Stoke. So when he got the Stoke move, I was like, that's a good move for him. And he got a lot of game time at first. Obviously, Stoke had a really poor season last year. And I think there's been some managerial changes and it's just not helped him at all not really any stability for him and yeah I'm kind of hoping he maybe gets another move in the championship down south or maybe tries his luck abroad seeing seeing what that happens there but we're just gonna have to wait and see because he is a, he's a good player Liam Lindsay I mean he said you know he's got a great build for a centre half he's tall he's strong he can get a goal up the other end he's good in the air you know he's a good player so I really do hope I wish him all the best of his career yeah right I, I so uh, he was in the team of the year that year which I don't think there was too many non-old firm. He, he's the only player, I think, as far as I remember, outside of Aberdeen and Celtic can, to get in the, and range in the team. It was a big, big thing, the fact that he got in and it you know, wasn't you know, Aberdeen Celtic Rangers. And to be honest, he absolutely deserved it. I mean, we talked a lot of the time about all the players that, that played next to him were intrinsically better when they played next to Lindsay. Yeah, look at Keown. Yeah. Niall Keown. Forgot, forgot to mention Keown in defence. That, that season, he partnership you know his partnership with yeah, Lindsay was brilliant Adam Barton playing in that sweeper role worked well as well yeah Adam Barton that was very much the the, the good season Adam Barton where you saw everything he could do he was he was fantastic um, in that role his um, seasons were so contrasting this first season he looked great second season looked like he wasn't interested yeah I know and it's really it's really strange that um, how he like he just totally flicked a switch and just was a completely different player because he won he won the player, uh, player in the month. Yeah, he's the, he was the only player in the whole time we were in the top flight to win the. I mean, Banning Banningham met one young player of the month, but he was the only player to win just player of the month, and for our whole five years. Yeah, and he uh, deserved it to be fair. He was brilliant that month. I remember. At the time, Hearts were under the spotlight after the appointment of inexperienced manager Ian Cathro. Ian Cathro, the the official man himself, came in and they uh, get they get points off him and then. Um, I think me, me and my pal David were talking about saying, oh, uh, Ian Cathro's on the Christmas card list and all that, send him, uh, we're going to give him Christmas cards because it was um, fucking, it, it just gave us fucking points, didn't it? Yeah, because um, yeah, we drew with him as well, two each. Aye, we drew with him. I, 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 I kind of felt sympathetic towards Cathro. I thought he got a pretty hard time. Um, I thought you know, it, was, it was an ambitious appointment from Hearts and I to see them give a young guy with different ideas, you know, a shot. And to see how, how he got on, and I know the press in particular absolutely pilloried him for what having a laptop or something like that, you know. Like, but I mean, you look at it now, and Catherine in some ways looks a wee bit ahead of the curve. You know, the idea of you know using data, using the software in order to help guide training and plan. Now everyone, everyone does that. So now I've, I've felt a wee bit sorry for Catherine. Like he didn't really get a fair crack of the lip. I guess. I mean, the Hearts fans would disagree with that. 
I agree about Cathro, to be honest, in terms of I think he was not given a fair shake. It was very unfortunate that his first job was at Hearts. I, I genuinely thought, I, I, I kind of do still stand by it, that I think Cathro would have actually made quite a good fiscal manager. I would have liked to have seen him. I think he, I think if he, the problem was is that he was in the spotlight and just, you know, all the media were like, oh, he's got a laptop, what's that? But mm. if he was at a team that was like Fissel or even a Morton or something like that, I, I think he would have done really quite well. And I think that, um, yeah, he could have really revolutionised it. And it is a shame to see him kind of get pilloried for it because you, you just have this roundabout of managers who just go from like one shite championship team to another shite championship team, just lifetime jobs because, you know, people just panic and bring mm. them in. And I think they were... And to be fair, he's, he's, is it Wolves now? Like, that's surely a vindication of his methods. I, I'm, I'm sure he's a coach at Wolves under, is it Nuno Espirito Santo, isn't it, their manager? Um, yeah. But certainly, you know, like, he's working for an upwardly mobile club in one of the richest leagues in the world, and they're, you know, probably one of the top 10 leagues and top 10 teams in England now. Like, that's, you know, he wouldn't be there if he didn't have something to offer. So, no, yeah, I think that while. Man, first team management didn't quite work out. He's clearly a capable guy. He's clearly a clever guy. Otherwise, you, you don't get those roles, you know. Despite his coaching ability, Cathro's inexperience in the hot seat proved at Firhill as he played Leonard Sowa out of position at centre half that day. Um, I remember Dylan scored early on. I think it was uh, what's his name? Is it Leonard Sowa or something? I think he was Hearts' left back, and he just did this terrible header across the face of goal, and then Dylan just got dicked brought the ball down like he always said great first touch and then just tucked it away put his one nil up quick quick into the game that was uh, in, the, in the lead up to Dylan getting his 100 goals Dylan scored in the first half I think it was like his 97th goal I'm sure 97th 98th the, the memory I have of that is I remember watching a Hearts fan a uh, Hearts fan vlog you know, for the for the back of the for the back of the stands is Ian Cathro yeah and, and the pure most Edinburgh like, Fife accent or something like that just going, Ian Cathro, you're pish. Like, just absolute abuse, Ian Cathro. already under pressure at that point but I remember I've seen a video from the heart stands and uh, yeah they were absolutely raging at him for that game. A red card and a volley that Zinedine Zidane would have been proud of from Liam Lindsay saw Thistle leave for Hill with three points that day. And I, I remember I had this irrational fear uh, you know as Milk and Galvez. Yes. 
I remember, like, so I remember, I think I, wa- I watched a game, I think it was like the St. Marin game or something, I remember doing well, and then I remember saying for Hearts, and I'm like, oh, fuck, here's Lisma, and then he gets sent off that game. Yes, he did, um, yeah. He did, aye, and I was like, I was going fucking mental, because I was like, this is a guy that I feared that he get fucking, he get fucking sent off. Uh, just Hearts fans fucking abusing fucking Isma Kingarvey is calling him a lazy bastard and all that. <laughs> in the second half. Uh, the ball was going out for a corner. For some reason, Abdul Osman kept it in, which everyone groaned up and forward and then flicked into the box. And Liam Lindsay scored a really good shot, actually, a really powerful shot, especially for a centre half. And yeah, it was a it was a great result that day. So, it's the only team. Yeah, it's the only time we beat in Hearts at home in in the time we were in the Premiership. But yeah, it was a, that was a great result. That. I mean, from our perspective, it was a great win. You know, <laughs> like we don't. I, I I suspect our record against Hearts over the last. Decade or so was actually pretty poor. I mean, I know we've played them a couple of times in the cups, and then we, you know, to us aside from the four two, Tynecastle, I'm struggling to think of any, and and obviously this game, but I'm struggling to think of any like sort of comfortable wins against Hearts. I don't know certainly whenever I go see this will be Hearts, we never seem to win. I, I think I've been seeing this will be Hearts seven or eight times over the years, and we've never won once. So I think my curse just extends. Beyond the professional into, into my personal life as well, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, like I, I know, I, I know what you mean. I've, I've been to see, see them play Hearts quite a bit, and yeah, you, you would just, I, I think, I think the, the, the great joy of this game is that because we'd had quite a poor record against Hearts for quite a while, you didn't really expect anything from it. Mm. I know we were kind of, like, I mean, we weren't exactly setting the world alight in terms of, you know, play or anything that season anyway. Like, I know we were on it, a, it was a, a slow start we got off to as well, right? I mean, you know, I know we always start slow, but I mean, even that season, I'm pretty, I'm sure we we're pretty slow at the traps. Yeah, definitely. I think there was a, a start where they said if the season had went from October to like April, we'd have been in the Europa League <laughs> because we'd, we'd done so well. But it was just like the August and September were the things that hamstrung us, whereby mm-hmm. we just did not win and uh, we we done uh, we just said yeah some really really poor results and I think this game it was kind of yeah like at that point you, you didn't really expect anything because I seem to remember the first game that season I believe we get beat at Farhill um, and then we yeah because we got a player sent off and then I believe we had a draw and then yeah it, it was just a case of we, we'd had a, quite a few run-ins with Hearts where we hadn't really picked up much apart from the 4-2 that you just kind of thought, well, you know, I don't think this even was a very particularly big game, if you know what I mean. I think it was just kind of in the middle of the calendar. Yeah. And then um, nobody really expected anything in the end to get that result was great. Today's 12 Days of Archery was narrated by Matt Greer and edited by David Forrest. With contributions from David Forrest, Jamie MacDonald, Kieran Ashton and James Kearney. Thanks for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. I've been joined this week by David Forrest, Jamie MacDonald and Rhys Jenkins. We'll be back next week to look back on our home game against Clyde. As always, stay safe and wear a mask.